reverence God's Word as we read this one verse together. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. 1 John 5, 13. John is going to kind of summarize why he has written this letter. These things, everything that he has just put his pen to, I have written to you who believe, so we're addressing believers right now, in the name of the Son of God, that you may what? That you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Father, I thank you this morning that not only do you save us, but you guarantee that our salvation is secure. And Lord, we can know that, not in some arrogant, self-righteous way, but by faith in Christ, knowing that he cannot fail and he will carry out everything he's promised, we can have assurance today to know that once we are saved, we are kept by the power of God. Lord, I pray today that you would give assurance to your true people that if they are yours, that they will know it and rest in it and never again question it. And God, I pray if there's some here today that are presumptuously assuming that they are part of your kingdom and they aren't, that you would open their eyes to the truth so they could really get what they need and have it and realize that it's theirs forever. God, work in this service. Use me uh, as your vessel and your servant. And I just pray I'll get out of the way and let you do what only you can do. And I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As I said, the message is primarily today for believers. But that doesn't mean if you're not a believer that there's nothing here for you. Because there certainly is. But when it comes to salvation, I love what Adrian Rogers said about it. He said, if you aren't sure that you have it, you wouldn't miss it if you lost it. And so we need to be sure about our salvation. We don't want to just presume that we're saved, assume that we're saved. We want to know that we are saved, and you can today. Because I've heard it all my life, ever since I got saved, when you ask Christian, when you ask people, are you a Christian are you going to heaven? You get a lot of times answers like this. Well, I hope so. I hope that I go to heaven. I hope that Jesus will forgive me. I hope that I make it. Friend, if you've trusted in Jesus, our hope is in Him, but it has got to go beyond just wishful thinking. It's got to be something that is 100% settled and secure. No more doubting, no more wavering, knowing who Jesus is and knowing what He's done for you can give you a rock-solid, permanent uh, belief that He can do what He said He was going to do. And so John wrote his letter so that we who believe can know that we have eternal life. Now John wrote five books in the New Testament. We have the Gospel of John, we have his three letters in the book of Revelation. And so in those letters, John tries to show us different things. Uh, as he teaches us. That's why we often tell people that are searching or not yet believers, read the Gospel of John first because it tells you how to be saved. The epistles, the letter that we're reading from today, shows you uh, how to know you're saved. And then in the book of Revelation, we see what the future of those that are saved is going to look like. So John walks us through the entire process, justification, sanctification, glorification, in his five books. And so this is an exciting thing for us to think about when we look at John saying that we can know. And so I'm going to give you five quick things. If you take notes, you can write these down. Number one is there is a pronouncement about our salvation. And the pronouncement is what we read this morning. These things I have written to you who believe 
that you may know that you have eternal life. And so, to clarify this, you have got to understand this. This is Gospel 101. This is the foundation. This is where it has to begin before you worry about knowing anything else. You have got to have a firm understanding of what salvation is. And a lot of people, I'm afraid, don't clearly understand salvation. It's so simple a little child can understand it, but we make it so difficult. And it doesn't need to be. It's not difficult for us to understand. Miss Rosie read this morning in our confession verse, the first thing that you need to understand is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means when you are born... All the way up until the time that you turn your life over to Jesus. Before you do that, you are 100% lost. This is not on a, on a sliding scale kind of thing. You're not earning your way to heaven. You didn't get some extra credit this morning for getting out of bed and, and coming out in the rain and coming to church. We're glad you're here. But that did not add one iota to your possibility of you being saved. Your good works cannot save you. You are 100% lost without Jesus Christ. And nothing you can do can move that scale one inch. That's the first thing you've got to understand. The second thing is this. Salvation is 100% the work of God. There is nothing again that you and I could do. Matter of fact, the Bible says there is nobody that even seeks after God. If you are looking for God today, it is because He's already been looking for you. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus wasn't lost, you are. And he's looking for you. No lost person goes looking for God. We're running the other direction. We love our sin. We love the world. We love the flesh. And so when God begins to work in us, it is his grace and mercy that comes for us. And so salvation is 100% the work of God. And lastly, salvation is is completed 100% the moment you believe. You don't get saved in stages. When you turn from your sin and trust Jesus Christ, the moment, the instant you place faith in Jesus Christ, you become a new creature. You are born again, as John 3, 3 says. And that takes place in an instant. Faith is the key that opens the door, and Christ is the door of salvation. And you've got to understand those things. 100% lost without Jesus. Salvation is 100% the work of God. And salvation is 100% complete the moment you believe. Until you understand those three things, you have an incomplete, inadequate view of what we're even talking about today. Listen to what John wrote in his epistle back in the first chapter. We quote this verse a lot, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins... Now remember... He's writing to believers. So yes, believers still do sin. He said that just a verse before. If we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He, who? He, God, Jesus Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from... What is it? Say it loud. All, all unrighteousness. Not some, not a portion. All of your unrighteousness. If you confess and believe, God does the rest. He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That is the pronouncement that John is making, that you can know this, that you can be settled in this thing. And then he gives us, or I want to look at a few scriptures rather, 
that will show you that this is in fact not just a doctrine of John, but this is a doctrine of the Bible. That you can know for sure that you are saved and you cannot lose what God has given you. So here's point number two. There is a persuasion involved in this thing. Uh, and what do I mean by that? I don't just mean that we're trying to, to try to persuade you to believe our way of thinking. The word persuasion means a confidence. You can have a confidence in this thing. You can have a confidence in Christ. And a matter of fact, when we look at this verse from Romans 8, not to get too technical, but it is in what's called the perfect tense, which means it's something that happened in the past and it's done. It's not something that you've got to hope for in the future. It is settled. When was it settled? On the cross of Calvary. And the moment you trusted in Jesus Christ, it was settled. It is finished, as Jesus said on the cross. Listen, one of my favorite verses, Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. The Apostle Paul says these words, I am persuaded, I am confident, I am settled in this. That's what he's saying. That neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans is a fantastic letter, and chapter 8 is probably the chapter of the book. I love it because it starts off with no condemnation and it ends with no separation. Verse 1 says there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And the final verse says nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We're no longer condemned and we'll never be separated. Paul sums it all up in that one chapter. What an amazing truth. And he said, I'm convinced of these things. I'm settled in these things. And I ask you today, are you settled? Do you believe that by faith in Jesus you will never again stand in judgment and nothing can separate you from the love of God. You've got to understand those truths. Depend on Him, not you. And when you do that, you can have the confidence that you cannot lose it. Because Paul asks the question that he then answered in these verses. He said none of these things that he named, all nine of those things that he named can separate me from the love of God. But what was really the question that caused him to give that response. He said this in verse 35 of chapter 8, just a few verses back. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm asking you that same question today. Do you realize how much Jesus loves you? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. Have you ever thought about the fact that that's the only kind of life that Jesus gives? He gives eternal life. Question, how do you lose something that's eternal? If you lose it, was it eternal? Eternity has no beginning and no end. If there are points within this thing that it is possible for you to lose the life that Jesus gave you, then he's a liar. Because it wouldn't be eternal, it would be conditional. Based on your performance, your obedience, or whatever else it is you think could cause you to lose it. But that's not what my Bible says, and I'm pretty sure it's not what yours says. It says that he gives eternal life. There is no condemnation. There is no separation. God's love never changes. As human beings, sometimes people can do things and it, maybe it causes us to love them a little bit less or to stop loving them at all. But the Bible teaches that God is unchanging. His love does not fluctuate. Romans 5.8 said, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved you as much as possible 
before you ever knew him, before you were ever even born. God loved you that much. And he doesn't begin to love you more and more as the days go on and you serve him more and you're faithful more. His love never fluctuates because it's grounded in who he is, not who you are. There's nothing lovable in us. There's nothing that would cause God to say, man, if only I had that person on my side, I would be more complete. God doesn't need us. But in his grace and mercy, he invites us into his kingdom. He doesn't need me to stand up here and preach the gospel. He could do just fine without any human being's effort, but his love enables us to be a part of his kingdom and serve him. And the life that he gives is eternal to us. And I hear a lot of people say, well, that's all fine and any pastor, but what if I walk away? What if people, I've seen people that seem to love Jesus and serve Jesus and do all the things that you're talking about, but what happens if they walk away? I want to talk to you about that. My third point is this. There is a position in this whole thing. There is a pronouncement. There is a persuasion. And there is a position that you've got to understand when it comes to salvation. John chapter 10. So now we're going to the gospel of John. John chapter 10, verses 27 to 29. Listen to what he says. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them temporary life. Nope. There it is again. I give them eternal life. And they shall never, never, never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. When you believe, the moment you believe... You are 100% saved. We already talked about that. And the Bible now calls you one of Christ's sheep. He is the great shepherd. We are his sheep. That takes place because of the relationship that we have with him through faith. And we receive this eternal life now, presently, present tense. That's not something that he's promising on down the road saying, well, when you get to heaven, we'll work it out and see if you really got it or not. He's saying the moment you believe, you presently, permanently possess this thing. It's yours today. When you trusted Christ, everything about salvation was fully yours. You became entitled and heir, the Bible says, to everything that Christ has. And you are kept in whose hand? His hand. So often we say, I'm just trying to hold on to God. I'm just trying to hold on. I'm trying to hold on. Listen, you couldn't hold on if you wanted to. If you could be lost, you would be lost. Sheep are so dumb. Sheep can't take care of themselves. Sheep wander this way and that way. That's why we need a shepherd. And he takes care of us. He protects us. He keeps watch over us. It's his hold on us. Ray Ortland told a story one time. He brought his little son didn't know how to swim yet. And they were walking out into the deeper end of the pool. And he said as they got going, at first his little son had a death grip on his hand. He was scared to death. But as they got out in the water and the kids were splashing and he started splashing and he said to himself, you know, dad's got a, I'm holding on to dad as tight as I can. This isn't so bad. And he said as they got deeper and deeper in the water, the danger was increasing, but the little boy started to loosen his grip because he got comfortable. He thought everything's good. But you know whose grip increased? The dad's. 
Because he said, well, I know what the boy doesn't know, that we're getting deeper into the water and he needs me. It's the Father's hold on us that keeps us, not ours. And you've got to understand that. 1 Peter 1.5, I don't have this slide in here, but I just want to say it. 1 Peter 1.5 says, we are kept by the power of God unto salvation. The power of God, church, is what keeps us. It has nothing to do with us. It's His hold. It's His power. And I don't know about you, but I'm convinced His power cannot fail. That His power is greater than anything we face in this world. We've got to understand our position in Christ, in the Father's hands, that no one can take us out of there. Listen to what John writes in John 5, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has presently, right now, everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ, but has already passed from death into life. Question, if you can lose this thing, how are you alive, dead, alive, and then die again? How does that happen? Because what kind of life does Jesus give? Eternal. When do you possess that life? Now, today, the moment you believe, you see? And so it's this position that we have in Christ that guarantees that we are His. You say, well, Pastor, you still don't answer the question. What happens if we walk away? What happens if people leave the faith? Then what? What do we say about them? Well, listen, the Bible says, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. But sheep will stray. But here's the thing. Sheep may stray, but they don't stop being sheep. They may get themselves in a mess, but if they're really a sheep, they'll stay a sheep. They don't turn into something different. And so when sheep stray, as they will, if you are Christ's, and it is Christ's hold on you that keeps you saved, what do you think Jesus is going to do for his sheep when they stray? Let me tell you what the Bible says, not what I think. Matthew 18, 12 through 14. Jesus speaking, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for that one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Listen, there is a difference between backsliding and unbelief. If you are not His, you were never saved to begin with, you may go off course and continue off course, and that's a dangerous place to be. But if you are His, you can rest assured that God will not rest until He gets a hold of you and brings you back. He will pursue you, convict you, chastise you, and do whatever is necessary to bring you back because you are His sheep. And he will not lose one of them. For people that leave and never return, the reality is they never had what they claim that they had. Because God will not fail to see all of his sheep enter the sheepfold. That is a promise from him. And so you say, well, then, then, then what about the fact that we fail him all the time? What about the fact that as Christians, I've seen believers do awful things. What does that mean? What, how, how can Christians do those things and still be a Christian? Here's my fourth point. There is a perfection that you receive when you trust Christ. There is a perfection. You say, what do you mean there? Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering, what was that offering? Jesus Christ, 
laying down the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, by one offering, He has what? You guys didn't sound very confident in that. He has what? Forever. Who? Those who are being sanctified. His people are set apart. That's what sanctified means. He doesn't set set apart unbelievers. He sets apart believers. And he says that he has already perfected those forever who are being sanctified. You say, what does that mean? Again, I hear Christians say this all the time. Well, I know I'm not perfect. Guess what? In the eyes of God, you are. You're not even comfortable that I said that. But it's true. We know that we sin and fall short of the glory of God. I am not at all saying that we walk around today proudly and arrogantly proclaiming to be something that we're not. In our flesh, in our fallen nature, we are still sinners. But God does not look at us any longer in the flesh. We are in the Spirit. You guys act like you've never heard this stuff before. Maybe I'm the only one that knows I'm going to heaven, but I want you to know you're going to heaven if you're saved. Listen to me. Do you understand what Jesus did for you? He died on the cross. He shed His blood. He rose again. He's done everything. And when you trusted Him, everything that He is became everything that you are. You've got to understand that the Spirit of God lives within His people. When God looks at you, He doesn't see you anymore. He doesn't see Jeff anymore. He doesn't see Melissa anymore. You've got to understand from God's viewpoint, you are already perfect because you are in Christ. It has nothing to... That's why people worry so much about losing their salvation is because they got their eyes on them all the time. You've got to turn your eyes upon Jesus like we sung about today. That's the difference. That doesn't mean that we walk around and say, well, pastor said it doesn't matter how I live, doesn't matter what I do because I'm safe and secure and I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. No true believer would have that attitude. You are grieved when you sin against God. You don't want to sin against God, but you will sin against God. But that doesn't change His love for you. It doesn't change the salvation that you have. And it doesn't change the fact that you are perfect already because of what Jesus has done. Let me give you another verse. 1 Corinthians 1.30. This is from the NIV. It is because of Him, that is God, it is because of God's plan, God's goodness, that you are in Christ Jesus. So he's speaking to believers. Now listen to what he says. Christ Jesus has become for us wisdom from God that is our... Let's name off the list. This is what God says we are right now completely because of our being in Christ. Righteousness, holiness, and redemption. You are righteous. That means you are right with God. There's no condemnation. Jesus took all of the punishment on himself so that you are 100% right before God. He said that you are holy. You are set apart. You are his. You're different. That's what salvation does for us. It changes us from the inside out. Stop trying to improve yourself And let God change you. You'll never be able to do... God, I promise. How many times have you prayed those prayers? I promise if you'll do this, I'll do that. No, you won't. No, you won't. Stop lying to God. He doesn't want you to make a promise. He doesn't need your empty promises. He wants you to trust Him. He is holy and He will make you holy. And as a result, we strive to live holy lives, yes. But we are already holy positionally because Jesus made us that way. 
It's in Him that we can be holy. Our redemption, that means to be purchased, to be bought with a price. He didn't just give a little bit. He gave His Son. He gave it all. He purchased you completely. What do you think is lacking for you to have salvation today? You're either in or you're out. J. Vernon McGee said there's only two classes of people, the saints and the ain'ts. You're in one of those two classes. You've got to understand you are one of those two today. And if you are not a child of God, you can be by faith in Him. We are perfect in Christ. And the last one, there is a promise that is given to us. A promise, many promises, but I want you to see this one. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In Him, in Christ, you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, somebody shared that story that we sung about, the gospel, the good news that sinners can have a relationship with Jesus by faith alone. He said, after you heard that word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom you believe, that's all you need to do, is trust Him. You were sealed, sealed with the Holy Spirit. Sealed for until the day of redemption, he says a little bit later. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. I know, I'm going to pick on her for a minute. I know Anessa is a, a realtor, and I know we have others that are going through buying homes and stuff. Listen, one of the things that is involved in that process is when, when you look at a house and you write down on the contract and you say, okay, I'm going to put some earnest money down. I'm going to put this small deposit down to say, hey, I'm really interested in this thing. I'm signing a contract. I'm moving forward with this. And this is the guarantee that I'm going to follow through on this thing. That is the exact word and idea that Paul is writing here of the Holy Spirit. He said, who is the guarantee? I believe the King James uses the word earnest. He is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. He's saying, I give my people the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a promise, because I've begun a good work in you, and I'm going to complete it. I gave you the Spirit so that you could live life on this earth, but the promise is that you're not going to stay here forever. You've got a home in glory. And the Spirit is going back to the Father, and so are you, because the Spirit is in you. You see, it's a promise that He gives to His people. Lost people don't have the Spirit the Spirit seals you. How do you lose your salvation if the Spirit is sealed within you? You can't. It's impossible. He gave the down payment because He purchased the full amount on the cross. You can rest in that today. J. Vernon McGee also said this. He said, I believe in the eternal security of the believer and the insecurity of the make-believer. You're one of two today. You have full confidence you can have full confidence if you are in Christ. That you have a salvation that is kept by the power of God that you cannot lose. You have eternal life. You are sealed with the Spirit. There is no separation. There is no condemnation. All of the things you are perfected by Him, those are truths. And we could list, I could list a dozen more. But I think you understand the point this morning. When you come to Christ, you are perfect in His sight because of everything He is and everything He's done. And you have got to stop looking at all the other things and say, glory to God, He has done everything for me. I am completely settled in Him. I don't have to let these doubts and these fears bother me ever again. Listen, you can struggle and wrestle with your sanctification, and you will all your life. 
I'm not talking about saying, man, I blew it again. Man, I messed up again. Man, I need to repent again. You're going to do that every day. But please don't keep coming up to the altar and say, I've got to get saved again. I might have lost my salvation. You don't know for sure. You need to know for sure Amen. today. And then rest in it. Rest in, or rest in Him, I should say. But if you are dancing around the question and you cannot with 100% confidence say, I know for sure. Not because I know, but because the Word of God bears witness to my life. That there is a change. I am different. I live for Him. I desire to live for Him. I don't run after the world every chance I get. I look different, act different, talk different, think different. If you can see those things in your life, then you have confidence that God did something. But if you walked an aisle or signed a card or whatever you did to make a profession of faith and there's been no change, no desire to be different, then friend, I, with, with all my love and compassion I can give to you, I'm worried about your soul. I don't know if you really got what you say you got no matter how loud you say it. Because there will be a difference in your life. And if you can't say for sure that you know, you need to make sure today so you can know. Because he says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when you come in surrender and in humility and say, I am lost and I want to admit it. And I believe it's good to come publicly. So there's no more games. So there's no more wishy-washy. You can just stand before people and say, listen, I'm not where I need to be. But I don't care who knows it today. I want to get right and be right. I want you to pray for me because I want to take this step of faith. That's all it takes. That's all it takes today to have a relationship with Jesus. But you've got to lay aside your pride. You've got to stop running from God and say, I need Jesus Christ today. And that's all it takes. And in a moment as we give this invitation, that's your opportunity. Listen, as a believer, I want you to have settled assurance. I want you to confess your sins every day just like I have to so that you can walk with Him, so that you can have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, so that you can have a peace that passes all understanding, so that you can be in light and not darkness. But none of those things cause you to stop being His child. It may hinder the relationship. You ever fight with your spouse or your kids? There's a tension in the room. There's an awkwardness, right? There's, there's a bit of a disconnect, but they didn't stop being your kids. They didn't stop being your spouse. It's the same way with God on our end. When we sin, we cause a disconnect in the relationship, so to speak, but the relationship isn't severed. And all it takes is to repent, and you'll get right back to where you need to be with your walk. But your position is secure. And I want you to know today that you have eternal life. I want you to know, Christ wants you to know, that you have eternal life. And if you don't, I want you to have it today. If the Spirit is calling you to make a decision today, then act on it. That's what the invitation is for, to act on what you have heard. I'm going to invite Phyllis and Kim and Kara to come. I believe they're singing today for our invitation. And I'm going to invite them to come, and they're going to lead us. And they're going to sing a song that we sing many times, just as I am. And that's how you have to come. Because right now in this moment, God is dealing with your heart and the enemy and their flesh and everything's pulling at you too. And it's saying, well, first of all, you've got to get things straightened up. First of all, this wouldn't be the best Sunday to do it. You can do it another Sunday. First of all, just wait and hold off and, and this will go away and you, you won't have to feel this way anymore. Listen, all those excuses are just that. They're excuses. This is your day. If God is dealing with you today, there's no guarantee for tomorrow. There's no guarantee God will ever deal with you again. He doesn't have to. If He's dealing with your heart today, 
You need to act on that and obey him and trust him, and he will do the rest. Father, we thank you this morning for the truth of your word. I thank you so much that I was able to preach this message today, Lord, one that thrills my heart to know who I am in Christ. And I pray that your people would know it, and those that don't know you yet would come today and receive you, God. Work in this invitation and prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. Uh, And we just give you all the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand and as we sing, the altar's open. We have folks up here that will pray with you. But you got to come. You got to come and trust.